0: Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation this church has left the building. Today on Relentless Grace, we are going to focus on the section of the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to explore what it means when we say that and how it is not a passive action, but rather an invitation to be part of the community that brings in the realm of God. When we pray this prayer, we are saying that we want to be part of a solution, not looking the other way in the face of evil or wrongdoing, but rather active partners with God who follow Christ, who is the first citizen in the reign of God. And when we walk with him, we become part of that reign, part of the inner circle, part of a citizenship that does not know boundaries or limits but rather walks in the love of the Lord wherever it leads. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: A reading from the first chapter of Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. A reading from the fourth chapter of Luke. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue. to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. A reading from the 19th chapter of Matthew. Then children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. A reading from the sixth chapter of Micah. God has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God.
0: I remember vividly the first time that I toured the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. As I walked through the exhibit and watched the rise of anti-Semitism in Nazi Germany, and as I saw the different points that Hitler used to gain control and the kind of hatred that he espoused against the Jewish community, it was plainly apparent to me as a Lutheran pastor that my colleagues in Nazi Germany at the time were complicit. In the first place, Hitler used anti-Semitic writings by Martin Luther, which have since been repudiated by the Lutheran Church, as fodder for raising the level of anger and vitriol against the Jewish community. But beyond that, the thing that became readily apparent to me is that the vast majority of the Lutheran clergy remained silent. If you look at the statistics of the Protestant clergy in Germany during the time of Hitler, there were about 18,000 Protestant clergy, most of whom were Lutheran, which is the denomination to which I was ordained. Of those 18,000, about 3,000 were part of the German Reichskirche, which was essentially the Nazification of the Christian Church. Another 3,000 were part of the Confessing Church movement people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who took a bold stand against Hitler and called it out for the heresy that it was and the hatred it espoused. But about 12,000 remained silent. They were neither for nor against. And as it says in Revelation, I would rather have you be hot or cold. When you are lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. That is what God said to people who were lukewarm in their faith, that God wanted to quite literally vomit them across the room. And 12,000 of the Lutheran clergy, the vast majority out of 18,000, well, they were lukewarm. They were neither for nor against, and as a result, they helped contribute to the devastation and the Holocaust and genocide that followed. They were among the vast numbers of people who just looked the other way, who said nothing, who did nothing, and as a result, with their silence, basically supported Hitler. I came out of the Holocaust Museum literally shaking with my anger because I knew why they went along with it, why they were willing to look the other way. In Lutheran theology, there is something called the two kingdoms theory. And the idea behind it, which Luther said, is that there is the kingdom of God on earth and the kingdom of God in heaven. And as people of faith, we should trust the elected powers to the kingdom of God on earth while we focus on bringing in the kingdom of God in heaven. As a result, these clergy did not think it was their responsibility to get involved with the elected government. The end result of the end result was the Holocaust because for them, the idea of bringing in the kingdom of God did not mean being actively engaged in stopping hate-filled behavior, standing up and speaking up in the face of an atrocity. Why am I talking about this now? Well, because today's topic is Thy Kingdom Come. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, and it's important for us to understand and to know what that means. When we pray, thy kingdom come, it's not just simply words that we are saying in a prayer, but it is a commitment to be part of the reign of God. And I believe that that reign of God is something that God brings in now. In the passage that was read earlier from the book of Mark, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. I believe that when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are saying that we believe the kingdom has come near and that it is our responsibility to work with God to bring it in. The reality is God is going to do whatever God is going to do. But when we follow and walk with God, we take on a responsibility and an obligation to follow the path that God has led us down. We are called to get on board with the mission that Jesus set forth when he went to the temple in Nazareth and stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes on to say, today that has been fulfilled. That was Jesus instituting the kingdom of God, the reign of God, that God was calling us to be part of. And so the kingdom of God is not something passive, thy kingdom come, God, come on in and do your work. But when we follow God, we are invited to proclaim release to the captives to work to bring in the year of the Lord's favor, to share the good news with others, to be part of something larger than ourselves. What happened in Nazi Germany was that the people were basically lulled into sleep. They didn't think it was their responsibility to stand up and do anything risky. They didn't think it was their responsibility to make waves. Most of the people in Nazi Germany were not on board with actively gathering the Jews and putting them in concentration camps. However, most of them looked the other way when it happened. They didn't want to be part of the reign of God. They just wanted to go on with their lives the way it was. The Jews in Nazi Germany as well as the others that they gathered, the mentally ill, the LGBT community, the Roma community, and others that they gathered. They didn't have the luxury to decide whether or not they were going to be able to get involved because they were hauled away. And as followers of Christ, we don't have the luxury to decide whether or not we can be involved in looking the other way in the face of oppression, in the face of anti-Semitism, in the face of homophobia. In the face of transphobia, in the face of anything that demonizes people and makes them less than children of God, that doesn't value their lives, we are called as children of God when we agree to pray that prayer, to be active participants in bringing in the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Does it mean that we're going to be saved or not based on whether we do this? No. No, we have been saved by the grace of God. But if we are going to be a Christ follower, we need to follow that path. We need to walk that way. Too often in life, people are willing to just look away, to say it's not my business, it's not my problem, not my circus, and not my monkeys. Now, there are situations in life where we should say that. Sometimes we have to do things to be healthy. That's one of the reasons, again, I started this podcast. For some people, being in a church community was a place where they felt was tearing them down and keeping them from being involved actively in life as a follower of Christ, because they found that sometimes the church was just too much. And sometimes there are people within the church who have to take a stand and stand up and say, hey, this is what I believe. I was recently talking to a friend who was struggling with some things in her church where they wanted to cut their involvement in social ministry. And she said, hey, if I'm going to be involved here, this is important to me. I don't just want to come here as a social club. And that's an important place for a person to take a stand, to work to bring in the kingdom of God. We each are allowed places and ways in which we are called to follow Christ. And sometimes that will be within the organized structure of the church, and sometimes it won't. But we all need to step up if that is the one we are following. If Jesus is the one with whom we want to walk, we need to walk with Christ. Not sticking our heads in the sand, not being ostriches, but rather living out what this prayer calls us to do. I know when I went to the Holocaust Museum that as a Lutheran clergy, I couldn't look the other way in the face of injustice. That I couldn't say nothing when people were demonizing refugees, when people were spewing hate toward the other, toward those who would be omitted or seen as less than. That racism was not okay, and I couldn't just laugh at the joke. That I needed to stand up and say something. And that comes with a cost. Make no mistake about it. People lose their lives when they stand up for their faith. But they lose their souls when they don't, when they just roll over and let things go along. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died for his faith, who stood up to the Nazis and was killed just before liberation, he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. When we are a Christ follower, and when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are called to work to bring in the kingdom and the reign of God with Jesus, to stand up, to speak up, and to work to bring peace to a broken world. And it's not about heaven. It's not just about getting souls saved. Jesus took care of that. It is to be engaged in the world where God breaks through into the world. It is being called to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. God's reign looks different than this earthly reign. It's not about power. It's not about control. What is it about? Well, the kingdom of God, according to the Bible, belongs to the children. That's what Jesus said when they tried to push away the children from him. God recognizes that God's reign belongs to those who are vulnerable, those who are without power, to those who are the last, the lost, and the least. This Lord's Prayer is a radical thing, far more radical than we might initially realize when we roll it off rotely. But we are making a statement of faith. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to be a part of that. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to go where Jesus is leading me. I don't want to look the other way. There are so many places in our world today, and I'm going to talk about this in the Community Connection, that need our voices, where we need to be part of the reign of God. But if we remain silent, if we go along, if we say, oh, I don't want to get political. Well, then we are getting political by being apolitical, by not caring, by not engaging. And that's when evil gets the upper hand. It gets the upper hand when good people do nothing. God invites us to be part of the reign of God. Just think about that. We get to be part of the reign of God. We get to be invited into the inner sanctum by God to be partners in bringing in a realm of peace and justice and light and goodness. And we do it by looking, by seeing, by risking, by speaking up, by engaging in the world. Because God's going to do it whether we take part or not. But when we take part, we find blessing in this life in knowing that we are walking with God and we find hope, even in the hopelessness of life, by being part of the solution, a solution that leads to grace, peace, and love and justice. We are being given an invitation. And when we pray this prayer, we are saying we have accepted it and will walk where Jesus leads. Amen.
2: the Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let intellect and use every power as I shall choose Take my life that I may be consecrated Lord to thee Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless praise Take my voice and let me sing ceaseless praise take my will and make it thine it shall be no longer mine take my heart and it's thine own it shall be thy royal crown.
0: Community Connection focuses on being a citizen of the realm of God. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are saying that we want God's reign, God's realm to come into being. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. But that word's a little misleading. It sounds as if the kingdom is a geographical place, but it's not. It is a realm that has no borders, no flags, no national anthem, no currency. It is a realm made up of only two parts, God and citizens. And so when we are citizens of the realm of God, we are taking part in ushering in God's reign. Jesus was the first citizen and came to make it possible for all of us to be citizens. Jesus talked a great deal about the kingdom of God, about the reign of God. But he died and conquered death so that the last barrier to our citizenship will be removed. We are dual citizens, citizens of heaven and citizens here on earth. And when God calls us to be part of the realm of God, to be citizens, he said in Mark, in the passage that was read earlier, repent and believe in the good news. And that repentance means to turn around, to change direction. And to do that, we have to take our eyes off our own goals for life and fix them on God's goals for life. To become a citizen of the realm of God means to turn around and look at the reign of God, to look at Jesus. And so today, I want you to think about what you are doing as a citizen in the realm of God. And there are two ways that I encourage you to do this. On the one hand, I think it's a chance for us to affirm those who are good citizens. You know, occasionally towns have things like citizenship awards that they give out to people who are good citizens. I encourage you to think of a person that you know who is an example of what it means to be a citizen of the realm of God, who's a good citizen, and write that person a note. Send them a text. Send an email and say, thank you. Thank you for being an example of a good citizen. Encourage someone else because it's a tough road standing up and speaking up, especially when we live in a society with so many haters who tear you down. So look for someone who has those citizenship qualities that you admire and thank them. And the second thing is to think about how you are living your life as a good citizen. What are you doing to bring in the realm of God? What actions are you taking? Are there places in your life where you can look the other way no longer? Are there places where you need to speak up? at work or at home, where you need to say that's not okay, or where you need to advocate for the needs of the last, the lost, and the least. We can't ignore when anyone is oppressed. We can't say that's okay ever. So we have to stand up in all situations when someone's rights are being infringed upon. But we are also called to pick specific areas that drive our passion. For me, that's my work with the South Sudanese refugees. I pour my time and my energy and my effort, especially as the World Food Program is leaving the refugee camps, and so the refugees have to fend for themselves with no food, medicine, education, or opportunities. So my passion is lifting up this crisis. For you, it might be something different, but it needs to be something, and I know I've said this before, but it's a continuous message. How are you living out your citizenship? What are you doing to exercise it? doesn't change God's love for you, but it changes how you live out your faith in whether you are a good citizen. So this week, please affirm someone that you see who is living as a good citizen, because that kind of affirmation can just make a world of difference. And then figure out what you're doing to exercise your place as part of the realm of God. As someone who means it when you say, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Be a good citizen and celebrate those around you who are. Thank you for joining me today on the Relentless Grace Podcast. If you wish to support this ministry, you may do so by clicking on the Patreon link in the show notes, or you can Venmo me at pvmamel, or send a check by contacting me at my email address, Podcast at gmail.com. You may also use that email if you have any suggestions for the show or contacting me through our Facebook page. Thank you to Dan McKnight, who is our announcer in today's program, Elizabeth Kieschnick, who read the scriptures, Cammie Weinberg, who provided the music, Take My Life That I May Be, and Ruth Skinner, who sings the closing song. I send you out with a blessing, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace the mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. In the coming week, I pray that you will be open to being part of God's kingdom and working to bring it in, knowing that God brought the kingdom, and as we work with God, we participate in it.
1: You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. And all the the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands as you go out
0: with joy.